the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. Uh, Galatians 6 uh, and 14. And uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning about the cross and the tomb. The cross uh, and the tomb. Amen. But God forbid that I should glory save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about the cross and the tomb. Let's ask God's blessing upon his word. Heavenly Father, we need you today. We ask you to have your way to move and touch, Lord, in our hearts and lives. Help us to receive your word as it goes forth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. God bless you and you may be seated. Uh, I think a lot of times in church, and I put myself in uh, that uh, category, a lot of times we uh, water down the word of God and we preach how to win friends and how to influence people and we talk about good principles in the Bible. There's nothing wrong with that, good principles that are there, but the, the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so what that means this morning is this, that God's Word can change your life. In fact, I'm here as a living testimony of how God changes your life with His Word. Sometimes His Word doesn't seem like that it's uh, having a great effect, but the Bible says His Word will not return void. So when the Word goes out, something happens when His Word is applied. He said, let there be light, and what happened? Amen. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said and spoke all six days of creation, and every single one of those things happened. And the same God that spoke those things is the same God that orchestrated this word. Now, I've heard people say, well, I think this ought to be in the Bible, and this should be out of the Bible, and, and the translators did this, and the translators did that. But I'm telling you here today that God has put this word together and it is here to help us. It is here to revolutionize our life and it is here to bring life to our circumstances. I'm here to remind you this morning the word of God is not some dusty book that some man should get up once or twice or three times a week and uh, bring its relevance. But the Bible is already relevant to your life. It's amazing. Some of you that's read it longer than I have and read it more than I have, you have been living examples of this. I can read the same verse over and over. Then I read it one day because of where I am in life and it totally changes my perspective and I realize and I get an insight and it's what is that? That's God speaking to me through His Word. Now I can talk to you, I can walk up to you and say I think this and I think that. Uh, but that, that's not worth much. But this word was going to change your life. This word has hope. This word has peace. This word has strength. Listen, uh, God's not mad at me when I don't read the Bible uh, like I should. And I have those moments where I don't. Uh, it's, the loss is not God's. The word's already his. The loss is mine. Because I need this word in my life. Not just to keep me on the straight and narrow, but also I need that. But I need this word to bring life and the perspective to everything going on in my world. And so I hope this morning 
that you can recognize. And, and sometimes we read the Bible. Don't be shocked if you read the Bible and you fall asleep. Uh, if it'll put you to sleep, that's, that's a good thing. You pay a lot of money for sleep aids. And uh, you buy things at uh, the pharmacy to put you to sleep. And, well, get the book of Leviticus out and read it. And it may put you to sleep. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, something happens when you read the book of Leviticus. You read something and say, well, I read that. I, I, I read two whole chapters and didn't understand a word I read. Well, join the club. I've read more than just a few times and didn't understand a lick. You know what that is, right? N not much. Uh, not a lick of what I read, but I read it again and I read it again. See, you have to be in a spiritual mind because this is a spiritual book and it's God that's talking to you. Praise God. And so this morning, what I hope can happen in this service is that God can break through the Easter money. God can break through the, the eggs. God can break through all the, uh, the roast that you got in the crock pot. Uh, and we want to know how, many, how much roast you have uh, in case we don't have uh, any plans. Uh, and, and break through all of that and let God speak something into your life. You see, God has the ability for one man to speak. The Bible says, through the foolishness of preaching, men are saved. God has the ability to preach through, uh, speak through one man's li life and then affect all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. I'm here to tell you this morning, I've, God's never failed me when I had a great need in my life, when I needed an answer for life. I went to the Word of God. I had to look sometimes. I had to look again and again, but I've always found it in God's Word. Praise God. Let's thank Him for it together right now. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, the, 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 the cross and the tomb. Now, the tomb is what we celebrate here today. Uh, oh, but the cross. In fact, listen to what Paul said. Paul was the guy that wrote 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament, uh, over half of the New Testament. And he said, you know what? Of all the things I could glory in, I'm going to glory or I'm going to extol the cross. He said I could, uh, by inference, he said I could extol uh, my education because he was one of the most educated men uh, in his time. Uh, but he said, I'm not. He said, I'm going to glory in the cross. He said, I could tell you about my Roman citizenship, which was a, uh, was a great thing back in their day. That would get you in a lot of doors. He said, but it's not my citizenship today that I'm going to extol. It is the cross. He said, it's not my ability to speak several languages. Some believe that Paul spoke up to three languages uh, fluently. But he said, it's not the three languages plus that I speak. It's the cross. He said, even if I were to center not on me, but on Jesus, I could talk about his miracles. But I'm not talking about his miracles today. I'm talking about the cross. He said, I could talk about uh, all the wonderful things he did for people where he provided in people's lives and changed their lives. But I'm not going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about the cross. And the reason he talked about the cross and he put the cross at the very uh, place or very, very uh, pinnacle of, of his ideology and his theology was because the cross is what changes our life. It is the cross that changed my life. 
It's when I realized that Jesus, he didn't die for a world. He died for me. Praise God. He died for me. Look in John chapter 20, one of the most uh, uh, powerful uh, stories. And it's about uh, the tomb and the cross. See, because the, the cross and the tomb are bookends. You can't have one without the other. Uh, the cross is God uh, taking care of the, the situation of sin. It's, it's God taking care of sin for all of time. You see, God had a, uh, there, there's somebody on social media, and his candy stick is tithing. And, uh, boy, he, he'll get on tithing, how tithing's not New Testament. And uh, he's right. He said tithing is Old Testament. He's wrong, because tithing was before the Old Testament. Melchizedek paid tithes before there was ever a law. Cain and Abel paid tithes before there was ever a law. And so there was some innate in man to give God his best. Now, here's the one thing I've learned about God, and you have too, is God's never going to ask you to do something he hasn't done. Amen. And I'm here to maybe uh, tilt somebody's theology a little bit, but I challenge you to get in the Word of God, and I want you to, I want to challenge you this morning to look at the mindset of this term, the Son of God. I want you to realize this morning that the Son of God is not Jesus sitting uh, on a little throne beside Big Daddy sitting on a big throne. But what I want you to go to the book of Hebrews, not right now, but in your own leisure, go to the book of Hebrews, and you will see in the first chapter, Paul writing to Jews who believed that their Messiah had not come, that Jesus was an imposter. He said, in many times and in many ways, God has appeared unto man. Y'all remember the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire by day? You remember how God was a burning bush to Moses? You remember how he was a wheel in the middle of the wheel to Ezekiel? And that's what Paul was talking about. God in many times and many ways has appeared unto man. But in this last day, through his son. Amen. Son here is not like my sons, my three sons, or your sons, or somebody you know sons. But it is the flesh of Almighty God. In fact, John chapter 1 makes it pretty clear. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, was not anything made that was made, and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness the light. That is the true light that lighteth the whole world. And then listen to what he said. He was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. That same word that spoke, let there be light, became flesh and dwelt among us. In fact, uh, Paul writing to the Hebrews in chapter 1, he said that he, he uses this terminology. He said that Jesus Christ is the express. Everybody say that word with me. Say express. Express image of his person. That word express means only. The only image of the living God was Jesus Christ. 
Amen. That's why when Philip saw him, he said, Lord, it would suffice us if you showed us the Father. And he said, have I been with you so long and still you don't know? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. I am I'm the mighty God in Christ reconciling the world unto myself. Praise God. So that's why he is called the root and the offspring of Jesse. He was before Jesse, that's David's father, and he was after Jesse, amen, because he was before there was any time, and he will be when time is no more, and God made himself a flesh and dwelt on earth, and that is the power of the cross. Praise God. Now listen, he could have come down. Somebody wrote a song. He could. In fact, they, they taunted him, and they said, if you're really the Christ, if you're really who you say you are, then uh, save yourself. But he had somebody else's saving on his mind. I'm glad this morning that he didn't give in. Oh, I've started, I, I started a seven-day fast one time, and I lasted 15 minutes. I know nobody else here has ever done that. Uh, but I was, man, I was bound to turn, man, I'm going to, bless God, I'm going to fast seven days. And uh, went over to, my wife was out of town, I went over to a friend's of mine's uh, house, and, uh, and, uh, He's the one that got me into it. He said, man, we're going to fast seven days. You want to fast with us? I said, man, I'm in. And uh, so I got to their house and uh, was going to hang out with them a, a, a day or so. And uh, he said, our baby is sick. Can you stay at the house with the baby? And uh, he was two or three years old. And I said, sure. And we're going to run the prayer meeting. We'll be back. And uh, then we'll, you know, we'll study the Bible and we'll, we'll talk about Jesus instead of eating. That didn't sound near as much fun, but... Uh, I said, oh, well, you know, that's probably, I know it's a lot better for me. And uh, so uh, the, the little boy, uh, Andrew, said, uh, said, Uncle Donnie, said, I, I want some M&Ms. And uh, so we're sitting there watching uh, Disney. Uh, I don't know if that's okay to fast and watch Disney, but I was. And uh, he's eating those M&Ms, and he kept saying, you want some. So see, it wasn't even my fault. It, it was Andrew's fault. And... Uh, we got back home, and it was one of those big bags of M&M's. We ate the whole bag. Amen. And, uh, but the, the kid got better. I, I guess that was all he needed. I don't know. Uh, but, but, but I've had my, uh, and worse than that, I've, 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 I've had worse failings than that. But the cross covered me. The cross will cover you. I've had people come to this altar and say, I'm not sure if, if, if God can forgive me, oh, yes, it can. Yes, he can. Amen. Because the, because the cross covers everything. Praise God. The cross takes care of everything in your life. And they said, you ought to come down. He said, I can't. I'm not coming down. I'm staying on the cross to cover somebody's sins in 2021. I'm staying on this cross to make sure that everything is all right in your life. I want to submit to you this morning that the cross is more than some historical event, and it is that. I submit to you this morning, the cross is more than some beautiful thing, and we have the, 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 the uh, facsimile of the cross up here, but it's more than that. Uh, people wear it around their neck, but it's more than that. Oh, the cross is so much more than that. The cross speaks of hope. The cross speaks of God taking your sin and taking care of it. Amen. I'm here to tell somebody this morning, because of the cross, 
God is able. Amen. He has nailed your sins and your offenses to the cross. It's taken care of this morning. The bill is paid. Paid in full. God is taking care of everything on the cross. Don't be like that old couple during World War uh, One, And they had helped a soldier that was in great distress had wandered into their home. They had helped him out. And when they nursed him back to care, he said, I want to give you something. And he handed them this beautiful piece of paper. And uh, they were so uh, appreciative that this man was so kind to give them this beautiful drawing. It was looked quite ancient. And so they had it framed and they had it up on their uh, wall. And someone was there one day several years later and said, that's a beautiful, beautiful note. Uh, you know, uh, who gave you that? And they told them the story. And they, they began to look a little closer. And it was because of the framing. Uh, all you could see was the picture of, of the uh, monarchy uh, of France. Uh, you couldn't see the numbers. And it was a, a, a franc uh, worth a thousand uh, francs. It was a thousand franc note. And, uh, but they didn't realize what they had. They just thought that God had given them a little picture. They had framed it. I wonder sometimes if we're not that way about the cross. Uh, we've got it hanging up. And it looks good. But we don't realize what it can do. It can change our life. We can live in poverty and yet have the cross hanging close by. Oh, but this morning I would plead with you and I would remind me to take the cross off of the wall and to take it off around your neck and take it off of your rearview mirror and take it off of maybe your wall and put it in your heart and say, God, apply the cross to my life. I want to live the cross. So your question may be, how do you live the cross? He died, he was buried, and he was resurrected. That's exactly what we do. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said, if we die unto him, we shall live unto him. He said, if we are buried with him, we'll arise in newness of life with him. He died, he was buried, and he was resurrected. We have to die to our sin and say, God, I don't have to do anything. I just have to uh, accept the cross. I just have to ask you to forgive me of my sin. Lord, would you put my sin under the blood? Lord, would you forgive me of every sin? You can't name everything you've ever done, but you can, you can name all you can, and you can get empty your life out. I've watched people walk to the altar and, uh, and pray for a little bit, and I told them, I said, when you go home, search your heart, search your mind, search your spirit. Get everything out of your life. Nail it to the cross. Let the cross have its true effect in your life. Praise God. I want to tell somebody this morning, the cross... It's not for church people. The cross is for people living in sin. The cross is for people that have a need in their life. The cross is for somebody that's feeling aimless. The cross is for that person that is thinking about suicide. I'm telling you this morning, the cross is, will, build, will help you. It will fit whatever's going on in your life. Praise God. Praise God. Then there's the tomb. The tomb is the hope. I thought about the tomb this week. 
I thought about it a lot, but this thought hit me. You know, at one point before Jesus went to the tomb, the tomb was a one-way street. It was one way in, and there was no way out. It was only one way. But thank God that he knocked a hole in the backside of it. Thank God that he made the tomb a thoroughfare. Thank God the tomb is not somewhere where we go and we stay. But my Bible tells me that on that great getting up morning, that's the day of the rapture, the trump of the Lord shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and all that we are alive and remain shall be caught up forever to be with the Lord. Praise God. In fact, listen to what how John records it here in John 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark into the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said unto them, Have they taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher? We know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, another disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran together. and The other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher and stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes laying, yet he went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him. He went into the sepulcher and seeing the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head lying with linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then he went in also the other disciple which first came to the sepulcher and he saw and he believed for as yet, yet, not, uh, for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away into their own home. But Mary was stood, uh, stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and she wept. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, seeing two angels in the white, in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto him, Because thou hast taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing knew not it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him, hence tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary, and she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Oh, this morning, the tomb offers hope. Brother Haskell Underwood, one of the sweetest men, he and his wife, longtime members of this church. And... Uh, and it's sad for their family. Oh, but it is such a joyous day for them because of the cross. The cross has taken care of the sin factor. Amen. But what we understand that when this week we lay him down, it won't be a fine a finality. It will not be goodbye. Amen. But it'll be farewell. We'll see you soon because there's a better day coming. Amen. God gave us hope through the tomb. 
God gave us hope through the tomb. Praise God. I think so often we talk about the cross, but we don't live the cross. We talk about the tomb, but we don't live the tomb. In fact, listen to what Paul said. Paul said, even when somebody dies that is in Christ, he said, we don't mourn as others mourn. He never said we don't mourn. He just said we don't mourn like they do. Yes, we mourn because they're gone. Yes, we mourn because there is loss in our life. Yes, we mourn because there are things they will miss and we will miss with them. But we don't mourn like everybody else because when everybody else walks away, they're saying it's over. But when we walk away, we say, we'll see you soon. Amen. There's a better day coming. Amen. There's hope arised. Amen. Has arisen because Jesus is alive this morning. Praise God. I watched last night uh, David Dawn. A few of you would know him. Missionary to Japan. We were privileged to have him uh, at our church when we were in Sherman, Texas. They were very, we were all very young back then. And he came to our church. So gracious, he and his wife. So just humble people. Uh, never put on any airs. Just, just give himself his whole life. Uh, after he got out of the military, God called him to preach. He became a missionary uh, to Japan and gave his whole life uh, to missions work. And, uh, and then here just a few years ago, he was actually here probably eight or ten years ago, maybe less. Uh, he was here, what well, had to be, it was probably about eight, seven or eight years ago. He was here with us again. And remember in that service, I'd forgotten this to Robin reminded me of it. God just moved in that service and uh, God began to just work in a powerful way. And uh, people were just falling to their knees and praying. And I remember uh, after Robin mentioned it, I remember so vividly Brother Dawn and myself both just laid out before God and God just moved across here. And that was David Dawn's life. He lived his whole life for the kingdom of God. Now, in the past few weeks, months, and certainly years, we have watched great dignitaries, politicians, athletes, uh, uh, celebrities pass away and they packed out uh, huge arenas to honor them. And uh, days and days of celebration, days and days of remembrance, long lines of, of uh, flowers and all types of tributes and television specials and on and on. I couldn't help but think last night as I watched the funeral of David Dawn. I counted on purpose, and I couldn't count, of course, the camera, but uh, it was a small room. I couldn't uh, count maybe there was 20 people in the room for his funeral. A man that reached millions. A man that gave his whole life for God's kingdom. And there was a indignation. There was a repulsion. There was a sense of how unfair life is that came over me because I, not, not knowing him in an intimate or in a close, close sense as a friend, but from a distance, but I know 
what he gave of his life. And this is what he gets. He gets 20 people in a little room and no big time speakers, no big time preachers, no, no great officials. It's just a handful of people, 20 people in a room. I'm sitting there at 2 a.m. It was 11 a.m., I guess, or, or, or so in Japan. And I was watching that, watching that service. And I was just saddened that a man that had given so much, there was so little made of his goodbye. And then God spoke to me. He said, if you could see the host that is in attendance. He said, there's not a stadium in the world that could hold the host that is in attendance watching. There's not a stadium big enough in the world to hold the heavenly host that is standing at attention, the honor guard that is there with him. But it's not an honor guard of, of some nation's army. It's not the honor guard of some police department. But it's the honor guard of heaven that is there for him. I watched as one of his sons spoke. I watched as his wife spoke. And I wondered, you know, what will they do now? What happens to them? His boys or his children are grown now. But what happens to his wife? This is all she's ever known. And all those questions mold over in my mind. And maybe this morning you find yourself in that same place. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with my legal situation? What am I going to do with my financial situation? What am I going to do with my situation with my son or with my daughter? What am I going to do with this uh, mental or physical situation going on in our family that has gripped our family and it seems like nothing else can uh, uh, even go forward because of all that we're dealing with. My answer to you this morning is twofold. It's the cross and it's the tomb. There's nothing that you cannot overcome because of the cross and because of the tomb. There is nothing spiritual that you cannot handle and God cannot handle. Say, oh preacher, if you only knew how far I've fallen. Oh, but I say to you one word this morning. Cross. You don't know where I've been. The cross. You don't know what I've done. The cross. The cross. The cross is your answer. Okay, I have the cross. But I'm without hope this morning. It's the tomb. You see, death is our great humanity's greatest nemesis. We can overcome everything. We can supersede anything. We can solve pretty much anything whatsoever. You give us enough time and you give us enough money and we can solve almost any problem. Oh, but death is our arch rival. But God said, I'll give you joy and I will give you peace and I will give you victory even over death because I have defeated death 
I didn't stay in the tomb. I came out of it. So what that does for you is everything going on in your life, everything spiritual where you feel like you have failed, you say, I've got the cross. And I'm going to apply the cross to the weaknesses in my life spiritually. And then the hopelessness, the hopelessness that the winter of life brings, the hopelessness that being broke brings, the hopelessness that, that a child on suicide watch brings. I'm talking to somebody today. There is the tomb. Because if he can beat the cross, if he can beat the tomb, he can beat anything. Tell you, I used to go into to, uh, hospital rooms. And it seemed like if I went into a hospital room and there was enough stuff and there was, there was life support, and there's all kind of tubes and all kind of beeping and all kind of stuff. I was overwhelmed by that. I was intimidated by that. But I believe it happened, Danny and Adrian, when I went to see your grandson. I walked in that room, and man, they had him uh, just hanging between life and death. And I walked in, and God spoke to me, and here's what God said. God said, if I could raise a man that had been dead four days, Lazarus. He said, don't pay any attention to the beeping. Don't pay any attention to all the tubes. Don't pay attention to what the doctor is saying. I know the doctors are good. I trust them. I, 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 I thank God that we have them. I thank God for every healthcare worker that does what they do. But I am going to lean on the tomb. And I'm going to say, God, if you can take care of the tomb, you can take care of this, God. And I prayed. I said, God, with every beat, and God, with every tube, and Lord, with every negative report, I'm believing this morning that you're going to heal this young man and that you're going to raise him up from this bed and, you, Lord, you're going to deliver him and you're going to make him whole in Jesus' name. And he is alive and well today. Now, have I prayed that prayer before and didn't get the answer I wanted? Absolutely. But you know what? I'm going to glory in the cross and I'm going to rest in the tomb because God is able. Praise God. Diamond, I'm so thankful to see you today. You don't know what, how, what that meant to us to see you come in. Diamond started riding our bus. Well, you 10 or 11 or younger, 11 years of age when she started riding our bus. And uh, she came here for years, uh, went to school, got her uh, degree in, in television production and communication, and moved to Chicago. And a lot of life has happened between... Uh, 11 years and what are you 24 25 25 now hard to imagine and she said look here and she she's got her little baby girl Ava with her and I thought I, I thought and I've told Diamond this plenty of times so Diamond you're a beautiful young lady and you, she's one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet I said Diamond your hope I, I want you to get a good job I'm going to help her all I can to get her uh, the, a job in the field that, that she's uh, educated in. And I want her to do well. I want her to, ex to excel. But the greatest thing that she can do is embrace the cross and hope in the tomb. 
And that's what she told me. She said, you know, she said, I was sitting in Chicago, and she thought, she said, I thought to myself, I got to raise my baby in the church. I got to raise my baby in the shadow of the cross. I got to raise my baby because one day, I hope it's 100 years from now, you're not going to be here, and the greatest thing that you leave her is not a bank full of money. And the greatest thing that you leave her is not a, a lot of wisdom and all of your uh, tapes and all your accomplishments and all the trophies that you'll win in, in your sector of society. The greatest thing that you'll leave her is the cross and the tomb. Because that will sustain her when nothing else will. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we come to you today on this Easter Sunday morning. We bring to you, God, our troubles and we bring to you our cares. and We bring to you our problems and our heartaches. Lord, somebody watching this morning, they bring, they bring a, a heavy heart. There's parents, God, that are struggling with a child that is having some trouble and not wanting to live. I feel this today, God. Let that young person, let that child, let that young adult, let them feel the hope of the tomb. Lord, when it feels hopeless, let them think about, Lord, in three days, just to hang on, to fix their eyes on the tomb. Lord, let them, if there is shame, if there is failure spiritually, let them embrace the cross. And Lord, if there is a lack of hope, let them embrace the tomb. We're believing you today. We're trusting you today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. We're not going to take long today, but we're going to all open these altars. I feel like we'd be derelict in duty if we didn't. But if you've got a child, if you've got a situation, if you've got something, maybe it's not you, maybe it's for somebody else, and you say, Preacher, I cannot handle this anymore, would you bring it to the cross? Would you bring it and let us pray with you over it today? And say, Lord, I, I want the cross to be more than something that hangs on a wall. I want to apply the cross to my heart and my life.